Hello everyone, Frank and Darren here again. Again, I did it again. again. I said I said that again. <laughs> <laughs> and we're t- we're continuing our discussion about the movies of John Carpenter, and this time it's the all-time classic, The Thing. Now, Darren, we have to agree without the special effects work in Marvel that is coming from Rob Bottin and his crew, this movie would not have worked at all. It would just be placed on the shelf and nobody would have watched it to this day. Yeah. Yeah. No, and when you say crew, I think his crew was pretty, pretty limited. I think he did a lot of the stuff just by himself. He spent, I think it was something like almost a year Mm-hmm. kind of churning out these effects and working on this movie um yeah he's just showed that he, he, dem- he was so young as well he demonstrated that he was a genius at such a young age i think he was around about what 23 or something like that he'd done the howling and he'd worked on i think piranha as well um but this this works just incredible there was um i was we were i saw a super chat on sean and chris's the thing with two heads and it said that Chris Nelson was as legendary as Rob Bottin and then and Baker. And Chris just went, no. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, didn't, he didn't want to get involved with that, did he? No, no, no. Because it, it, cause Chris Wood Nelson even admitted those two revolutionized special effects artistry. Yeah. They went above and beyond what anyone could do. Mm-hmm. And it's just a shame that Rob is kind of kind of secluded himself. We kind of don't see. I think he consults, but he doesn't continue. Well, he doesn't to do much be, nowadays, does no. he? It's yeah. They're both geniuses, and you know, both cut from the same cloth, aren't they? Yep, yep. At one time, it probably in competition with each other. <laughs> but <laughs> both with werewolves, yeah. <laughs> but both Academy Award-winning artists. More yeah, times, absolutely. More times over. Uh, okay, so. The thing, who? What is your best character? I was at a um, Christmas party where my dad used to work, and it was they had like a kind of a bar area where he used to work, and they'd be playing movies on the TV in the bar, and all the kids were in there, and they were playing the thing, and it was right on the kind of on the um, defibrillation scene where the jaws open up and bite Doctor Copper's arms off, and I was just I was just kind of like. What the hell? I was totally gobsmacked. And it wasn't that long since I'd kind of seen in a fish and chip shop in the UK while we were waiting for our fish and chips being delivered. There was a TV on in the background and the chestbuster scene from Alien was on. So these two movies that have kind of got very similar kind of themes, I'd seen bits of before I saw the actual whole movie. And I think it was a year or two later when I actually saw the whole film which just blew me away even as a kind of 12 13 year old kid but from that you know you don't when you when you're at a young age you don't appreciate how old some people are 
And watching this, I assumed that McCready was kind of one of the more senior members of the group, but he isn't. Mm-hmm. He's actually one of the younger members of the group. And that's because of the performance that Kurt Russell puts in. He puts in a really kind of commanding kind of leadership performance. And you forget that he's only 30 and he's surrounded by, you know, by all these guys that are all in their kind of 40s, 50s, in some cases, 60s as well. Um, and so for, for that, you know, the, the, the performance he puts in as, as, as McCready, it, 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 I just automatically gravitate towards it. There's something about, about that performance that, that is so commanding mm-hmm. and so um, authoritative for a guy that's at such a young age that, you know, for me, it was it just wins out in this film. I agree with you 100%. He's also my best character. And his description is that he's the helicopter pilot. Mm. So I don't think anyone with that job title would be in command at all. Um, of course, we know he assumes Wolf. that role, doesn't he? He does. Things start yep. going... Yeah. yeah. And, and he knows he's actually probably one of the only people that can save everybody and he th- I think he, they, he has that responsibility to try to yeah, uh, because he can get everybody out if he wanted to uh, but at least until they say that what the next crew comes over in a few months yeah. which they <laughs> which they can't do I, I mean I, I don't see how you could be in total darkness or or total <laughs> light uh, can you imagine that oh <laughs> someone just opened the dog up like a banana how long we got <laughs> Oh, two months. Oh, <laughs> and, and we're all out of liquor. Fuck. <laughs> McCready wasted it on that cheating bitch of a chess game. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's holding it. <laughs> Sucking the keys out. <laughs> yeah, I think I think McCready is uh, number one. Uh, but, of course, Wilford Burnley is the youngest one. Uh, in the crew, he's like he twenty-eight, about twenty-three, wasn't he? When he, did <laughs> he was a teenager. Well, he was in his forties. He was in his early forties when he did this. Christ, it's amazing. Benjamin Button, sixty-six or something. <laughs> uh, you're you're even even better. Your worst character, worst character, and again, this is we've said this on a few episodes now. There is this is my least favoured character, I think, rather than the worst character, because there are no bad characters in this. There are kind of characters that don't have as much to do, mm-hmm. and I guess this particular character, um, I didn't connect with, really, because he's kind of purposefully a kind of, I guess, a, a weak character. Not a weak character, what's the... He plays a weak, a weak person, I guess, and that's Bennings. Ah! He's kind of a little bit weaselly and, a sort, and sort of... Not there's not much machismo comes from him at all. Machismo. I'm going to say that again. There's not much machismo that comes from him at all. What is the fucking word? Is it? Machismo? He doesn't. He doesn't sweat testosterone. <laughs> yeah, he's not exactly cram packed full of testosterone, is he? Um, <laughs> poor old Bennings. Um, he does have a really cool death sequence um, mm-hmm. when when he kind of is is being assimilated and he kind of you know they torch him out in the snow but as a character he didn't really do much for me in this film and it, you know he's kind of one of those peripheral characters doesn't have much to say and do in it other than kind of make up the numbers um and for that i guess he's my I, i'm not gonna say worse i'm gonna say least favored okay uh for me it's clark watch clark 
And, you know, because he, he loves his dogs. He loves the dogs more than anybody. Um, I know he was trying to kill McCre- uh, McCready at that one time with the, with yeah. the scalpel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it just seemed like he was a character that they want to be, ha- have the audience be suspicious of. Mm. Uh, and it for me, he just serves as just like a background character, which he is, really, and only had a few lines in it. I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Yeah, he he does. He doesn't have much to say, really, does he? Apart from kind of maudle over those dogs all the time. Um, but you know, Richard Masur, he's always a good, puts in a solid performance. And there are no really, there are no weak performances in this film. Everybody's good. Uh, I know what you're saying, though. He's not one. He's not one of the characters that immediately uh, jumps out. Stick he's out, a little, yeah. A little dry, a little droll, a little kind of. You know, in his own world, I guess, um, and 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 rightly so, given that he's there to kind of look after the dogs. So, um, yeah, no, I get that. I completely get that. And the only person that actually is murdered, yes, shot in the head, <laughs> makes you a murderer. <laughs> Your best line. My best line is, um, I mean, there are loads in this film. There are, there are tons of best lines. In fact, I couldn't pick a worse line because there is, there's nothing that stands out as being particularly bad. But my worst line is, is Gary, all calm. Uh, and he says, I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when <laughs> you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! <laughs> after the blood test that he proved yeah. that he wasn't after the blood test yeah <laughs> that's my uh, that's my favorite line in the whole film because it really makes me laugh because of the what the mannerisms and the, and the and the tone that he starts the sentence off with you think oh he's just having a calm word with the guys and then he just kind of loses it before the end of the sentence it's terrific <laughs> mine mine is not really that funny I was gonna pick something like that. Uh, maybe I was maybe gonna pick, you know, uh, uh, Wilford, you know, saying "I'll kill all of you" and start shooting everything. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's it's actually McCready explaining this whole movie, uh, where he says somebody in this camp ain't what he appears to be. Right now, that may be one or two of us. By spring, it could be all of us. And he's yeah. trying to hammer it home. He's like, "You guys, I gotta do. We got. We gotta do something. I don't want to turn. I don't want to die. And I don't think any of you want to die. So we have to put some, you know, checks and balances in this camp until we sort all this out." And the, this this movie's round full of of great lines, and and yeah, that's that's certainly one of them. And it's it's also one that kind of. Um, I think always. I think it was always kind of used in previews on television and and things like that to just kind of because it, it 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 kind of gets the 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 tone of the film and the and the and the the, the sort of not the story but the the it's like the plot and the message across. Yeah, yeah, it gets the message across about kind of what the film's about. But um, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Because if you could, I, I picked that line because I looked at I look at some of these lines and I could say. Will somebody get it if they just hear music and just a voiceover on the screen in a trailer? And I thought with Kurt Russell saying that as McCready, you can get that this this is not a, a Disney movie. The trailer was interesting actually because it was 
was one of those trailers that didn't have any dialogue in it. It just kind of had all these kind of sound effects in the background. Mm-hmm. A little bit like, and I think, again, I go back to, to Alien, a little bit like the original trailer for Alien, whereas the, it is just literally sound effects and someone running through the um, through, through the spaceship and then the kind of in space no one can hear you scream this is very similar it's got the the noise effects of the thing a collage of different shots of the movie and then the whole kind of man is the warmest place to hide at the end which is which is pretty cool i i I mean the tagline for for this film's superb and And the the score right yeah 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 neo morricone yeah he did just that Although I don't think there's a great deal of his music that's left in this film, I think a lot of it is um, is, is um, Alan Howarth, John Carpenter, and Alan Howarth that that, um, uh, that, that contributed to it as well. Um, Kick the Oscar winner out. Yeah, if you read online, <laughs> there are all sorts of different kind of people have different theories. I don't no, never sure which one to believe. Whether whether that Carpenter, I mean, he must have been absolutely over the moon that he agreed to do the score for this film. But as to why not, it, it wasn't used in its entirety. What Morricone did, or why it's only kind of mainly the main theme. Um, I don't, I'm not quite sure what the answer to that is. Did did he not like what Morricone did and decided to kind of go off and do his own thing or you know was it something probably said simple is better possibly or didn't have the budget for the orchestra yeah yeah what he what he did do i mean i mean it's difficult to tell what he did and didn't do i mean there's a couple of variations on the soundtrack and you know it's, it's tough but if he did do that opening theme then it does sound very carpenter-esque doesn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i don't think uh he would take any input from a horror director. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting one, though, isn't it? You, you do. Yeah. I get to. I'm. I'm a genius at doing soundtracks. So, so who do I ask to get to do the score for this film? Oh, I know that bloke, that Italian guy who does spaghetti westerns. Let's get him in. <laughs> He'll be good for this. Um, yeah, I mean, he does great music, but it was kind of an odd choice when you think about it for this film. Yeah, um, but anyway, probably one of his heroes too, John Carpenter. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, John Carpenter is a Western guy. He loves his westerns. Mm, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Your worst line. I can't think of any. I honestly thought about this today, and I just thought there isn't anything in there that I go, "Ooh, that doesn't fit right," or "That doesn't sound right," or "It doesn't sit well with me." Um, I don't know. I was going to leave this one to you. Is there anything that you can think of that you don't? It's 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 hard because you know these these are people who are suspicious of each other, and everything they say kind of fits the moment at the time. But I think I would have to choose something towards the beginning, and that's when the Norwegians are hunting you know the thing dog, and we have uh, Nals um, say maybe we're at war with Norway. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad line, is it, really? It's kind of, it's just a throwaway, <laughs> it's peaceful joking because of, yeah, 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 exactly. Because of what's happening, but then, yeah. you know, it's just that I I, uh, I did it as a, uh, you could have le- left it or leave it line. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, I guess so. Yeah, they're, they're, I, I honestly can't think of anything. And the only thing that comes to mind, and it was probably because of the age that I was at the time, and, you know, when I first saw it, 
And I mentioned this before about how language, when I was a child, would jar with me if my parents were sat in the room. Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't come up. from one. Of, I, <laughs> I don't come from one of these families who kind of. I openly swore in front of my parents. I, I never did that. And there's a moment, obviously, where the spider head walks across the room, and it's. I think it's Palmer who turns, who looks back, and goes, "You gotta be fucking kidding." And and. I just it just jarred with me as a child because because you know I was probably sat with my mum and dad and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know when you put that in context and you're seeing people being turned inside out, it's kind of nothing really, isn't it? <laughs> that that's the only thing that I, that's all I've got to offer on that front. I'm afraid your your best kill, best kill is Doc Copper for sure. I agree with you 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, because it was such a such a shock to see that happen when <laughs> they when they, Christ <laughs> <laughs> and and what brain thought that up as well I tell you what this guy's oh. gonna have a heart attack we're gonna do CPR on him and at the moment that they plunge the defibrillators onto his chest the chest opens up jaws appear bite the guy's arms off and then all hell breaks loose <laughs> so it's- I have to ask you does when the thing assimilates a person do they assimilate all their defects so you saying like if they assimilated the Duke in Escape from New York, he would have would, the tick. Would he be ticking away? <laughs> yeah. So, would he? Would this? Would this thing know about a, a heart defect and that he had a heart attack? That's a good. That's a good question. I guess maybe. Or did he fake it? Is it because Norris um, is in, incapable of of that assimilation? I don't know. Is it? Is it? He has a bad ticker, and he had to take it because it kind of fights back straight away, doesn't it? I, I don't know. It's 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 weird. Where um, maybe you're right. Maybe it assimilates his kind of health defects as well. If anybody knows, can you put it in the comments? Because there could be a lot more the thing experts than you and I are. When they assimilate, because as as Blair says, they do it down to the cellular level, mm. down to the DNA. Does that include? You know, someone's, you know, limp. Uh, maybe uh, they were born with one testicle and <laughs> they, he only has that or three nipples. Uh, but, but would he be able, to, would he assimilate, you know, a, a, a heart condition? And that would be a, it, it's kind of very World War Z, isn't it? You know, that yeah, you have to pump your stuff full of something that is, is, a disease in order to pass through zombies because they see you as a defect and they're well, not going to want to take it over. As well, when when you talk about when, when we talk about the Terminator and that when Carl Reese explains to Sarah Connor, you know these models are much better. They can they can even have sweat, blood, bad breath, all that kind of stuff. Maybe it's like that. Maybe it does take on all those defects. Maybe they're you know if you have a a club foot it's kind of emulating that you've got a club foot and i don't know if if, if you've got particularly bad wind maybe it emulates that <laughs> <laughs> you're not bettings <laughs> i've been smelling his ass for six months and i know <laughs> could you imagine that'd be fantastic <laughs> you're the thing <laughs> 
So no, it's it's an interesting question and, and and one that hopefully people will will. Why was it that that Norris had the heart attack? Was it because his body couldn't take the, the assimilation, or was it because um, it was time for it to come out and it, it couldn't take it? I don't know. I mean, this we're going into fucking theories question. here. <laughs> Jesus, it's a good job we don't do the shining. Shit. <laughs> Now see this color rug. Oh fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. So for, yeah, Doctor Doctor Copper. Definitely. You know, it's, it's, as soon as you see that clear, and he opens, there's a pause. Those teeth mm. open up with a little bit of skin on those yeah, teeth, yeah. Yeah, and he just falls thing. right through. Yeah. And yeah. you see these little, you know. <laughs> see at the party, Richter. You know all those things. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's great. And every time I see that, I just, I'm just like, ooh. Yeah, it's painful, isn't it? It's the way he's kind of pulling his arms up, and and everything's kind of stretching, and until it eventually mm-hmm. breaks, and the stumps. Oh, that's he's waving for help. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those it's one of those kills that is, ex- how do I phrase this? Um, expectedly unexpected. Hmm. You know oh, it's yeah. going to happen, and every yeah. time you're just like Jesus. As I, as I said, it's 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 up there with the chestbuster moment for sure from Alien. You know, it's completely out of the blue and and you know catches you off guard. Yeah, oh, love it, love it. <laughs> uh, okay, your worst kill. Uh again, this was this was a, uh, an interesting one because there aren't any bad kills there's there's one particular kill which i do think looks kind of less convincing than the others and that's windows um when when the thing bites his head and kind of lifts him up and it's kind of shaking his body around upside down which is clearly like a bloody rubber doll or something that's been thrown around um, it's not a bad kill, but it's the one moment where I look at this film and I go, yeah, that doesn't look quite as convincing as it could do. Um, I mean, it's still pretty graphic, but yeah, it's it's, it's the least convincing one, I think. Um, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I put that actually as my best moment, and then I said to myself, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it started out good. Because when mm. the thing stands in front of him and he's all like seven, eight feet of him, yeah, and he's yeah. looking in front of windows, and it just chomps on him. But it's not—that's not the part that's bad. It's the feet. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can't knock Rob Bottin for that comparing no, to what he no, did, no, what no, he's no, doing no. in the movie. This you know, is it's a forty-year-old movie, you know. It's, it's of, still a revel. I couldn't do that. I wouldn't no, be able to do that. It's it's you know you look at it now because we've watched it so many times you look at things that you don't normally look at on a first watch and I think that you know this just kind of it it just sort of it's there and it just doesn't look as good as it should um, but it's forty years old what can you do what and Rob's in his twenties doing this in charge of a crew exactly and also there's effects work in there that that's not been beaten to this day no, you know some of those autopsy no. scenes when they're breaking off bits of the thing and uh, uh, the body and and there's all that goose dripping down and and you know uh, the the docs giving his kind of diagnosis of it all it just looks disgusting you can smell it it's 
horrible. <laughs> and this and, this almost killed Rob. Rob actually had exhaustion from this movie. Yeah, trying to get I'm everything. Surprised. His, his work's terrific, and I feel bad shitting on that one little scene, but <laughs> it's it does look a bit kind of clumsy. Clumsy. That's how it looks. That's it. But what we got bef- after, you know, before and after this mm. effect is, is still top notch. Still yeah, top notch. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Your best moment. The dog scene. Okay. I think the dog scene simply because it's 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 the first moment in the the, the movie where as we're it, the thing demonstrates to us what it's capable of doing and um those dogs look real the way that they're in heads split open and as i said like a banana just opening up and then everything just goes south from there and we get a glimpse of the assimilation of the dog in that big kind of beast thing that's in the background with all the eyes opening up on it and yeah it's just it's a, again it's a pretty vile disgusting moment that um it's with these stomach churning effects i mean mm-hmm. practical effects things that are happening right in front of you no digital work at all no cg nothing just everything rolling out in front of your eyes and it's um yeah, it's just it's, it's a great scene, and they all come running in with the flamethrowers and 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 torch it. But yeah, it's always the, one of the most shocking moments in the movie to me, and I think probably because it's animals, um, you know, and the screaming. So than, yeah, yeah, the dog screaming. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's tough. It's tough for me. Is the the who's who and doing the the blood tests. Mm. That that's the most suspenseful part of this whole movie, and getting to know who is the thing, and and tying everyone down, and then as soon as they figure out, you know, who's not, they untie them, and they're yeah. all sh- yeah. having those flame throws, and people left on the couch. You know, <laughs> you, you just can't, you just can't wait for one of them to say, "When is it going to be my turn?" So I could, you know be on the other side of this so I can have a gun and shoot something you know and then we get that first time where we take the you know the hot wire and put it in the blood and we get the thing jumping out and then the the shaking and shit like that and everyone's like god damn it get me the fuck out of here you know it's such a great scene it's such a great moment the blood test and I think most people when I see on on Killer Flicks and other uh, Facebook uh, groups they have some of those little uh, petri, petri dishes. dishes. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll say their name on it or McCready. You know, it's it's kind of become a novelty. And once you see that on their display when they're doing uh, pictures or their their YouTube channels, uh, they it, it's in the background. Mm. And I think it's one of those moments that will always be associated with the thing in those petri dishes. Yeah, in the hot yeah. wire. Yeah. No, it's it's um it's. I think what, for me, what really stands out is the kind of lack of. This is where you know you don't need music for a scene to build tension. You know, everybody sat there waiting to be tested, and all you can hear is the the the, the kind of hum of the, the the gas torch, just kind of going, and that's enough. You know, he's heating the end up of the end of the wire up mm-hmm. um, to, to test it out in the petri dish, and, and just that. And you're like, come on, hurry up with it. You know what I mean? It's it's just building that tension all the time in that sequence. And then when it finally does go, 
it's a proper jump scare it really is you're uh so i've noticed that you and i didn't pick uh <laughs> didn't pick blair with a noose he built himself a noose yeah no that, well that's i mean there are lots of questions about this. <laughs> and no I one mean, cared <laughs> they're like oh don't worry <laughs> it's great isn't it that perfectly framed shot when he's looking through the window with a noose at the side of him it's uh that's terrific and but also i mean we asked we asked this question before we did a podcast on this last year i think and we asked the question of of everybody at what point does blair become the thing um is it when he goes off on his own is he the thing before he goes off on his own um, perhaps you know some of you could let us know down what, what your theories are as to when um, Blair becomes assimilated. It's it's tough to t- it's tough to know. Um, and also you know is there? I mean, there's a lot of theories out there that one of them is still the thing at the end of the movie. There's the there's the whole theory with the um, with the breath, but that's been kind of debunked. I think now mm. that there is a moment where you can see Charles's breath. He's not a yeah. heavy breather. He's just not a heavy breather. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, what's your theories about the end of this film? We'd love to know. Just put them in the comments yeah. below. It don't go by the video game. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. it's, it's, it's the video game kind of gives you the ending at the end. Yeah, but so don't don't go by that, please. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I have played it, but what, what was the did McCready get killed or something? So no, he's the one who picks up the survivors in the helicopter. McCready. Oh, okay. oh, at the end of the game. Yeah, at the end of the game. So, and the child is not there. So, you kind of have the okay. feeling, you know, it's just, you can't go by that because that's not the original yeah, touch yeah, of a yeah. sequel. And, and you know what? And unfortunately, the, the prequel kind of fell flat for me. Yeah, I didn't mind some of it. I thought it was okay. It was good to see a female in there because mm-hmm. this is a movie that's 100% male. Um, She's the only one in there. Yeah, I did. I did. Some of the effects, I think, work, but they kind of tried to sort of polish them off with some CG, which is sort of, you know, really, really kind of stands out. It's mm-hmm. okay. I, I, it, there's been a lot worse remakes or sequels to Carpenter's films. Um, so, yeah, so I, I thought it was passable. <laughs> That's all I'd say. We all know that you want. John Carpenter's swan song to be come back for Halloween ends and maybe not fully direct, but co-direct. Co- either and, co-direct and, or, or direct. Um, yeah. Halloween and then that would be, that would then, be perfect for me. Yeah. You, you'll, you'll, you'll die a happy man in, for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> but why if he came back and did a sequel to the thing? Would you be okay with that or do a remake? Bloomhouse are already doing it, aren't they? They're already messing around with it at the moment. Um, I don't know. I ju- because he can't. I don't think it'd be riddled with CGI. Riddled. Well, would it though? Because would he insist on that? I don't know, but I don't think he can do better than what he did in the first place. I think the difference with with Halloween is the fact that it's gone through this kind of. Uh, you know all these different timelines and 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 lineages that it's a mess the whole thing's a mess um and i just want him to put an end to it once and for all um you know it, it doesn't matter that he made a classic in 1978 within this franchise because there's mm-hmm. been so much crap that's in between and it would be nice to see him just bookend his career 
um, with 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 Halloween. Um, as for him coming back and doing another um, thing movie, I don't think he needs to do that. I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him do another movie with Kurt Russell to end his career. I think that could be fun. Um, but I don't think he's bothered, is he? I don't think he's... No. I don't think either of them fussed. really just... They're, no, they're happy. No. They're friends. I'm sure they're friends. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, but yeah. they're just like, hey, we've, we've done so much with each other. You know, um, you know we're, we're happy just getting our royalties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and going on yacht trips with our wives. Spending uh, on cigarettes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen we hope you like this episode of uh you know the best and worst of the thing john carpenter's the thing um what are your thoughts i mean what are your best moments what are your best kills you know people are putting them in the comments and that's what we like to see because sometimes we're looking at the most obvious ones and then all of a sudden you guys jar our memories and be like oh yeah that's fantastic that's a fantastic part <laughs> or you guys say what about this part we're like oh yeah that's pretty shitty too my god i, I can't believe it it was so terrible that we didn't put it on our on our list um <laughs> uh darren any uh final final words on the thing no, that's, uh, again, one of my favorite movies of all time and probably in my top three of Carpenter films. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, another movie, and I say this so many times that I just don't tire of watching. And that's what's yeah. great about this channel is that we've got really similar interests and we both can talk about these movies that we absolutely love. Uh, and people can and chime in with us and, 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 and let us know their thoughts as well. It's good fun. Yep. So we'll do The Shining next, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. I never, never want to talk never. about The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as always, stick to the roads. And the best of luck. <laughs> See you later. Those of you who are real. <laughs>